management is responsible for that employee maintaining satisfactory performance at current responsibilities. That's part of the management relationship. It assumes that I'm going to keep that employee because they're worth the money I'm paying. And if nothing changed, it would be okay. Anything less than that requires management and sometimes discipline. Coaching starts where that leaves off. That's why it can be voluntary. It assumes everything's good, but we could make it better together. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for customers, shareholders, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. Whether you're an entrepreneur in a startup, an executive at the top of your career, or a frontline supervisor on the production floor, Coaching is a key skill necessary to help others excel in propelling the organization forward. And it is a skill that doesn't always come natural to us. Joining me today to discuss the importance of coaching and how one can develop and hone those skills is Kim Sawyer. Kim has over 20 years business experience. He has started businesses, led companies, and been involved in almost every aspect of a business enterprise. Today, through his company, The Wealth Source, Kim coaches and facilitates business leaders, teams, and enterprises to create extraordinary wealth in all its forms. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Kim. Glad to be here, Mike. I've been looking forward to this. So coaching has kind of become a catch-all term, uh, and coaching training has kind of become a a cottage industry, right? We got skills coaches, life coaches, executive coaches. When it comes down to it, though, when you're talking about being a coach or coaching, what does that mean? So I um, look at coaching within the framework of the athletic model. And I think that's really where it started when Thomas Leonard launched coaching in the business world and outside the athletic realm. Um, The job of a coach is to build a relationship with his player or athlete or players over time so that the coach can help the athlete make more of their talent and capability than they might at, on their own. I think of um, a business person as an athlete. And if this is that person's personal best at their own best efforts, my job as a coach is to look at what they're not doing, what they can do differently, what they can learn, where they can grow. So their personal best becomes here. And this is the gap that a coach is responsible for. Um, But to get a grasp of coaching, it's mostly imagining that relationship that we all have a sense of in the athletic realm, transferring that into the world of business. So we all operate at a certain level just naturally, right? And so you're saying the idea of the coach is to say, okay, this is what your baseline is. This is how you show up every day on your own. What can I do as a coach to get you to this next level, whether it's skills or mindset or whatever, identifying what that person needs to get to that next level, right? Is that, is that kind of what? That's correct. Absolutely. So I can see where that's um, sounds really good, right? Well, you know, uh, but, there, you know, there, 
I think there are a lot of managers out there and I don't, I've always, if anybody listens to the podcast very long, they hear me complain about this. I don't like the idea of calling people who are in charge of leading other people and getting their performance up. I don't like the idea of calling on managers. You can manage material, you can manage processes, you can manage computer code and, and get a pretty consistent output from that. But with people, they're really hard to manage. They're, they're different every day. They have so many outside variables. I don't like the idea of trying to manage people. I think what we need are a lot fewer managers and a lot more leaders. Um, can you talk about the, and I think a lot of the dysfunction that happens in workplaces is because of that management mentality. Can you talk about the difference between that management mentality versus transforming somebody from that manager into that leadership man- mentality? Absolutely, Mike. It's a good question. And uh, I'm going to challenge a little bit the paradigm we have in our world today that management is bad or dysfunctional and leadership is good and is the better way. Okay. Um, I believe they are two different ways of interacting with people to get things done in cooperation with those people. A manager is exerting an effort and influence in a variety of ways to get people to change their behavior and do things that will align with the objectives of the manager. Coordinating, management by objectives, rewards, you know, discipline, all of those tools. And those are valuable tools. And everyone in a leadership or management position uses them to some extent. However, on their own, they have a far less powerful impact on the productivity of everybody involved. Coaching is a very simple, clear, one process way to take management to leadership. And it's really about adding a level of leadership on top of the management relationship. Um, And I can talk more about my model of leadership because it blends straight into the idea of why coaching is so important for managers. Yeah, let's get into that then. What is what is what is your model and and how is it different than what we see in conventional organizations? So the way I look at leadership, especially from the perspective of a coach, part of whose job is to strengthen the ability of the people I coach to lead others is to define it in a way that's simple and actionable. And so I have a very simple definition of leadership, which says a leader is anyone with a voluntary follower. So the whole nature of leadership and anything one does in its name is to build a relationship with someone, a sustainable relationship over time that enhances the likelihood that the follower will say yes and join forces cooperatively with the person who's trying to lead. Now, with respect to management, leadership is not a different or better way. Management is a set of activities where the manager's exerting an effort to bring the behavior they want from the people they're leading. Leadership is evoking that cooperation by choice from the person they're leading. The two of them work wonderfully well together, but when leadership is present, management becomes the fallback 
if all else fails or if under extreme pressure or the stakes are really high out on the factory floor where sometimes stepping in and taking charge is the right answer. But most of the time, a manager can accomplish much more in their job for their company if the people that are working for him or her are choosing to cooperate to help achieve common objectives. Coaching is a very powerful single process that if the manager brings that on board into the relationship with direct reports, will enhance leadership most quickly and directly. So to summarize what I think I heard, I understood was, so like management, traditional management is more carrot and stick. Okay. I'll give you a job. I'll pay. You show up and work, you meet standards, you go home. And whereas you're saying, that volunteer aspect of it where that, that follower uh, and in the case of a, you know, a supervisor and employee, that employee is going to give their discretionary effort. They're going to say, not only am I just going to come do my job, but I'm going, you know, I want to, I'm looking forward to moving forward in the organization or moving the organization forward or doing whatever I'm asked to do because of the relationship that, this leader has has built with me. Absolutely. Management is a transactional process. It's an interaction outside of a pre-established relationship wherein there's an agenda or an objective and the manager and the direct report interact to try to achieve it. Management sources in the manager's efforts directed at the direct report, leadership sources in the direct report's choice to follow. So the problem is for a manager is I can't guarantee that this person's going to follow by building a leadership relationship with them. But if they do, it'll be the most powerful, sustainable, productive relationship I can have with them. So what are the components of that leadership relationship then? How do you, you know, you mentioned coaching be a critical part of that. So what does if you know if, if I if I've got somebody I want to build that relationship I want them to volunteer I want them to opt in to to mm-hmm. the agenda the the mission what does that look like um, as far as a leader how do I you know how I know how to give instructions I know how to give deadlines I know how to set standards for performance uh, but to move beyond that what does that look like from the leader's point of view what is what is that leader going to do differently. So the whole nature of leadership, as I said, is to build the relationship before I need the relationship so that within the relationship, all the rest of that good stuff can happen better with less effort. Now, building a relationship is around the idea of agreements between two people. We're going to have a relationship. Are you agreeing to join me in that? Yes. Well, what's our purpose together? Let's define what our common objective is here. What are you hoping to achieve? What am I? Okay, good. We agree on that. Now, how are we going to treat each other? What are the ground rules and commitments we make to each other so that this relationship can achieve its goal in the best possible way? And then within that, that is a relationship. And if a leader takes the time to establish that relationship with a direct report, or by the way, a peer or a manager or a stakeholder or anybody, then within that, the other person is most likely to engage. The leader has to establish a common objective, the mutual respect of our words, 
being committed to one another, and also that the manager or the leader has the interests of the other party at heart. That has to be experienced by the other party. And the idea that working with this person is going to be better than not, that it's going to be a good experience and that we're both going to gain from it. If that can be established in the relationship on purpose by the leader, then the leadership will grow from that. Now, coaching in and of itself does every single one of those things by nature of coaching when I build the coaching relationship. Okay. So, and you said we need that relationship before we need that person to opt in. So, I mean, we have to lay the groundwork. So, and if I'm building a team right now, whether I'm a startup or a new manager, or I'm just, you know, bringing on new people in the team, I need them performing from day one, right? So it sounds like I really need to start building that relationship from day one. Um, How would you go about creating that relationship in a way that gets that person up to speed quickly and, uh, and, and so that they're receptive to, to being coached. Yes. So ideally this conversation, as I described, happens as part of onboarding with every employee. So that's where we get from the get go that that's there with existing employees. Then I ha- my clients have what I call a reset relationship where they sit down together and say, look, I really want to make our working relationship more powerful so that it'll help us both. Do you want to do that? Well, let's talk about that. And that relationship's reset in the same way. By the way, it's not just one-on-one because relationships are also group. And a manager building that relationship with his or her team as a whole, with them amongst one another and him at the center or her, that establishes a very powerful team leadership. All of these things are what managers are paid to do. And they spend little time doing it because most of the time they're working on managing and keeping up with the behavior of their employees. Then what are the key components of that coaching then? So, I mean, I've got the, I've got the sense now of what, what it feels like to be that leader, to have that relationship, but what are the skills or the, the steps that we put into place to make sure we've got that, that we've built that relationship through coaching? Yes. So first of all, the context has to be established. The difference between the coaching relationship and the management relationship. Okay. Management is responsible for that employee maintaining satisfactory performance at current responsibilities. That's part of the management relationship. It assumes that I'm going to keep that employee because they're worth the money I'm paying. And if nothing changed, it would be okay. Anything less than that requires management and sometimes discipline. Coaching starts where that leaves off. That's why it can be voluntary. It assumes everything's good, but we could make it better together. What would you like to accomplish, employee, that would be worth that extra effort? What would I like to accomplish with you in the future that would be worth my putting in that extra effort? So how about we agree to work together to take us both forward to these things we want in the future? And that's the fundamental basis of the coaching relationship. And I like what you said about the, uh, you know, we've got, we're going to 
go to this next level to accomplish mission and to, you know, you know, certainly the employee is going to get what they want out of it, but we're also going to make sure that that leader's objectives, as far as where we're taking the organization, you know, and how we contribute to that are met. And I just read an article in, I think it was Harvard Business Review in the last couple of weeks, talking about some of the criticisms of so-called servant leadership, because the way and I don't think this was the intent, but I think the way it's been implemented by some organizations or individuals has been that the leader just bends over backwards to make the the employees or the team happy without a focus on the outcomes. And I think everything we do in leadership management, whatever you want to call, has to be focused on on accomplishing the organization's mission. And I think you can you can only accomplish the organization's mission if your employees are engaged, if they have what they need to be successful. If, uh, if they feel like management cares about them and that's all important, but those aren't the ends to themselves. The ends themselves, at least in my, my opinion, uh, uh, is that is accomplishing the organization's mission, whether it's for-profit, non-profit or whatever. Uh, I'd be curious what you say about that. Well, one of my principles, um, with the leaders I coach is a leader takes responsibility for the success of everyone involved and considers that in all of the actions he or she takes. That includes the success of the company and all of the people that the company serves, the success of the manager in achieving what he or she has taken on as a challenge from his company. And most importantly, alongside that is what the employee sees as success for them, because that's what brings in that voluntary, I really care and want to go above and beyond engagement from the employee. So all three of those are considered the most value comes out of that kind of relationship. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative. Premium background checks with fast and friendly service. Employment-related background checks are primarily governed by the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act, even if there's not a credit report involved. The FCRA lays out specific requirements that employers must follow whenever they are purchasing any information about a prospective or current employee. On the front end of the background screening process, those requirements include disclosing to the individual that a consumer report, the legal term for a background check, will be ordered. There is also specific disclosure language that has to be used depending on the content of the background check or consumer report. And that disclosure has to be made on a document used exclusively for FCRA purposes. So the small print at the back of your employment application won't cut it. It also means that the disclosure document can't include releases of liability, employment at will statements, or other information that isn't explicitly allowed by the law. This has been the law since 1997, but I still see disclosure forms provided by attorneys that include that kind of language. The law also requires that the employer obtain the individual's written authorization before they order the background check. And on top of the federal requirements, a number of states and even cities have specific language that employers must include in a secondary disclosure or authorization document. For instance, New York City requires that employers outline exactly why they need to run a credit report on an applicant. And San Francisco has a specific document 
complete with the city seal on it that must be given to applicants. Keeping up with all of the different disclosures and authorizations can be challenging for an employer, especially employers with remote employees all over the country. Imperative's secure online report management system handles all of those disclosures for our clients. For instance, if a Texas employer is hiring a graphic designer based in San Francisco, our system will serve them the disclosure documents that comply with the federal law, California's law, and even San Francisco's ordinance. Our system will also securely capture the applicant's personally identifiable information like name, date of birth, social security number, driver's license, their employment and education history, even their social media handles if a social media search is warranted. This helps our clients keep all that confidential information from floating around the office on paper forms while ensuring that they are also compliant. To learn more about how Imperative can help you make well-informed and compliant decisions about the people you involve in your business, reach out to us at imperativeinfo.com. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 109 and enter the keyword coaching. That's C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. And now back to my conversation with Kim Sawyer. So I can hear managers out there, and certainly in 30 years I've been in uh, you know, the HR realm. I've talked to plenty of them who say, well, that all takes a lot of time to learn and implement, and I just need my people to do what they're told and get the job done. Mm-hmm. And I think what they're asking is, what's the real ROI? How do I really, you know, how, what's in it for me as a manager to make this kind of investment? First of all, if one were to calculate the amount of time consistently ongoing that a manager's spending tracking, holding accountable, overseeing, and getting involved with the activities of their direct reports to make sure that just the bare minimum of what's required gets accomplished. It's huge. Compared to maybe one hour a month with that employee that allows 60, 70% of that not to have to happen ongoing as the employee steps in and wants to cooperate. Additionally, we're talking about expanding the employee's capacity, skills, and capability beyond current level, which means the manager can begin to hand things off the bottom of his or her plate to the top of the plates of the employees as they challenge and grow toward new things. That frees up a lot of time for the manager to look forward and lead. I talk about A manager is looking backwards all the time at what's happening behind or underneath him or her. A leader looks forward as to what can happen in the future, what needs to come in relationship with the company outside the team in order to accomplish something more. Future directed. So a manager is looking at a scorecard and a a leader is looking at where those numbers are leading us and, and where we're going to go. Yes. Where does this employee need to be so my team can be where it needs to be so our company can accomplish its strategic objectives one year or two years from now? How can we get prepared for that? 
above and beyond maintaining satisfactory performance today. You talk about building a coaching culture uh, in an organization. What does that what does that look like? Uh, you know, having that baked into the culture. So it's a fairly simple thing. It's not a really about changing the culture so that coaching can happen. It's about establishing coaching conversations and relationships in a formal, systematic way. Out of that, a shift in culture occurs. So if every manager gets the fundamental capability of having a real coaching conversation once a month with each direct report, and then that can be tied into the performance evaluation at the end of the year so that some of the questions the manager has to complete in that reflect back on the content of those coaching sessions, requiring them to be sustainable. Then the, the manager has this regular developmental conversation to establish collaboration with each employee. And if that's happening at the top down, and that's what makes the difference. The CEOs I coach build a coaching session with the senior leadership team reporting to them. They build a coaching relationship with the people. Then everyone who has a direct report has a coaching relationship periodically with their direct reports. Now, accomplishing that is another interesting question. If we're really going to inco- you know, build that, that throughout the throughout the organization, so the top level leadership is meeting with their direct reports, and then it's flowing down all the way down to that floor supervisor on the production floor and the uh, in, in the office level. There's a, there's a lot of skills that have to be developed there uh, to do that to make that one hour meaningful, because I think it's really easy for us to just go straight to train. I mean, I'm guilty of it, and I've been doing this a long time. So, you know, it's it's easy to go straight into a transactional conversation, you know, uh, about tasks and priorities and things like that. What are what are the skills that, you know, that we should hone to be good coaches? I mean, and I'm sure, I mean, you do day-long trainings, week-long trainings on how to do that. But what are the, just give us a high point of what those skills are that that, that we need to spread throughout the organization to really have a, a coaching culture? So I'm going to beg the question altogether because what makes a coaching culture work, and this is where so many people out there in that industry miss the mark, is the manager does not have to become a coach. It is not necessary to teach a manager coaching skills so that they can sit down with all of these skills they've learned and try to figure out how to have a coaching session. Um, it's been a huge waste of time and money because the majority of managers don't have the aptitude to do that, even if they get the skills. It's not likely to be sustainable. And at the end of the day, it takes so long to train someone in enough skills and give them enough practice so that they can actually sit down and coach. Instead, what we do is we offer them a framework to follow. Here's the guide for the meeting, these steps. And we train them in fundamental listening and questioning and feedback skills 
so that using those, they just follow the guide. We train to the guide. They role play going through that meeting with somebody until they get good at running the meeting. The coaching is in the structure of the meeting. The things that a coach does with a coachee are built in to sections of the meeting, so they naturally occur. And at that way, every manager has the capability of doing some fundamental basic coaching and coaching if they just follow the guide. Imagine that, having an actual plan uh, when we're going to do this. So what are some of the components you would see uh, in, that, in that meeting plan? So a coaching relationship, just like I do with my clients, has some fundamental parts. First, there's establishing the foundation of the relationship, building trust, building agreements, establishing a mutuality um, so that the coaching can happen well. Then there's an establishment of current state and capabilities of the employee or the person being coached. There's establishing success goals of what success would look like for the employee as well as for the manager. And then there's a gap analysis to look at what's the development that needs to happen to go from current state to future state. So session one is about building that foundation and exploring current state by consensus. All of this is voluntary. So they together establish, here's where we think our strengths are right now. And then what are some success goals for you and me? The second session is about looking for the gaps that will, if filled, would take the employee from where they're now to being ready for that future success state and developing a a development plan, some learning objectives that we're going to follow over time. Session three is an iterative process of driving progress against each of those development objectives over time using the fundamental elements of coaching, which are starting with a check-in at the beginning of the meeting to establish a safe place for conversation, celebrating some successes. So we begin the conversation out with success as a basis. And I do this in my own coaching sessions. We look back at previous action commitments and stretch goals that were made in the last coaching session. So there's some constructive accountability to have taken those actions. And if they weren't taken, we look at what got in the way so we can resolve the underlying issue and move forward. Then we check progress against each learning objective. How far have we come? What are the next steps? What do we need to learn today to move that forward? And then there's a commitment to new action items and stretch goals and a checkout to close the session. And after the first two are in place, then every month it's just another iterative of session three until we get to number 12 session for the year, which is a wrap up and leads to the uh, employee and performance evaluation, which is just one more coaching session as we roll into the next year. Okay, so so really, it's a, it's a it's a year long, uh, like you say, iterative process where just each month we're building on what happened, and that doesn't mean this person doesn't talk to their manager the whole month. They're talking about stuff probably daily, but we're we're setting aside this time, at least an hour every month, where that employee knows he's gonna he or she's gonna have my undivided attention, and I'm gonna be engaged on on what we both are, are, are trying to accomplish and, and how to, how, you know, figuring out how we get there together. 
How that's that's seems obvious when you put it out that way, but but I think a lot of us don't do it. Yeah, it it is a fairly simple process, but it is not. We're not trained in it. It's not intuitive until you see it, and then you go, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. But everything has to be very intentional. We have I have to have a a method and an approach to achieve certain purposes. First session, the manager sets up what I encourage to be what I call the hat metaphor. So the manager explains the difference between day-to-day business management, business interactions and relationships. That happens all the time, just like it does now. But once a month, I'm going to take my manager hat off and I'm going to put my coaching hat on. And we're going to spend this hour looking at how we can take good to great, how we can take the now into the future together. And then once a month, we're going to put that coaching hat back on and continue to progress forward so that tomorrow is continually going to get better than today because we're both working on that together. And if part of that, you know, I think managers can get um, kind of intimidated by the idea that they've got to be the fount of all knowledge and and the source of all skills. But I'm, I'm guessing part of that could be saying, here's a skill, you know, deficit you have or a skill that you could acquire that would make you even more successful. And let's go find those resources, something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a coach, my expertise is to understand the success growth learning process and provide a framework and encouragement for that to happen. I'm not an expert in many of the areas that different employees have to grow in to be successful at what they're up to. My job is to challenge them to go and find those and stay in action achieving them, whether it's finding a mentor, finding a, a course to take, um, finding a, um, a class to go to that might help them achieve a degree or a skill or a license, whatever it may be. The manager's job is to offer those resources to the employee and then challenge them to be accountable to go take that action the manager isn't trying to just teach them everything they need to know because that's really more a mentoring process and coaching and mentoring are two distinct things. Well, we're almost out of time, but I don't want to, I don't want to let that last statement get by. So what is the difference between mentoring and coaching then kind of clarify that for us? So a mentor is someone who's done what I want to do. They are something like the place I'd like to get someday, and I respect and admire how they've achieved it. I build a relationship with them, if they agree, to help me follow in their footsteps, to help me learn from their experience and provide encouragement for me to go down that path to where they got to. A coach may never have done the things the coach he's trying to achieve. My job is not to help them follow in my footsteps. My job is to help them get where they want to, uh, where they want to go. And sometimes a mentor is an important part of that process. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kim. I really appreciate it. We'll make sure we we get your contact information, your bio and everything will be on our website. But I just want to say thanks for giving us this time today. Thank you for inviting me, Mike. And thank you for listening. You can comment on this episode or search our previous episodes at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and you can reach him at robmakespods.com. 
And thank you as always to Marianne Hernandez, Imperative's Marketing Coordinator, who keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, please don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.